Hey, this is Kathleen. And when I'm not unfucking businesses here on the podcast, I'm unfucking real estate over at ysaintpete.com. My company is Sighty Realty, and we are excited to sponsor this episode. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. This is Devin Rosillo from Beyond Bold, and you're listening to Unfuck My Business. No bullshit advice for business owners who want to be resilient as fuck. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Get comfy. Get your pajamas on for all I fucking care. Enjoy. And we're back. And today, unfuckers, I have a very special episode for you. We talk a lot about crisis management and how your business is fucked and how to get unfucked and all the rest of that. But uh, today we have a real value add episode, I think. You, we're we're going to give you some actual, real, practical advice to, uh, to get a little PR for your business and uh, to help provide that advice. Someone that I've known for some time now. It's a pleasure knowing she is hilarious in person as she always was on TV. Nancy Alexander, welcome to the uh, show today. No way! Is she here? <laughs> I love her! <laughs> I have, uh, after after knowing you for years uh, on TV, and in the sense that everyone feels like they know media personalities, uh, meeting you in person was was a huge pleasure at ESC, and uh, you've you've been endlessly entertaining ever since, and I'd like to say, yeah, or like to think, uh, become a good friend uh, during that time. Of course you can say that. You're one of the most important people to my art. Well, thank you. I had the experience of, of starting to be asked to speak in various local media segments, generally in, in you know, short burst, 30-second fill type fashion. Uh-huh. Uh, but the thing is, every time I do show up on TV, it's a little pop for my business, a little PR. Sure. It's nice to get that little thing out there. Sure. Uh, and when it comes to you know, someone who understands the local media market, I, I think you are absolutely the first person that always comes to mind from that perspective. So we've got Kathleen Seide with us as well today of course, our community director. And uh, we've got a series of questions that we'd love to ask you and get your feedback on how can we pitch content to local media. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Kathleen. Hello, hello. Hi, Kathleen. I'm so happy that you got to join us on the show today. Thanks for coming. I hope that that we're going to be able to see this. Your skin looks amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Kathleen doesn't own a pore on her face. How old are you, 10? Yeah, uh, eight, eight. It's the, the tears. I, I exfoliate with the tears of small children, so <laughs> it helps. I'm sorry helps. to interrupt. I just, I just wanted to tell you that you look beautiful. You know, for the people out here that don't know about you or your career, tell us a little bit about your background and and why you'd be the expert that they should be listening to in this. I'm not going to do the Mary Tyler Moore, Ted Baxter. It all started at a 5,000-watt radio station, in, but it, it kind of worked that way. I was kicked out of my house at 17. I knew from the time I was two or three that I was entertaining. And you either have ethics and a strong magnetic north on your ethical compass on your motherboard, or you don't. So at that age, I could have gone on the route of trying to find some older man to take care of me or take my clothes off or sell drugs or something to that extent. But I can sincerely tell you that at the tender age of 17 and no money and nowhere to go, those thoughts never occurred to me. But what I did know 
is that I have always been able to make people laugh. And it, uh, at a very early age, my head fell into the radio. I wanted to be a movie star, but I didn't want to take the chance. Los Angeles and acting, you know, there are 50,000 people all looking for one parking space. So I knew that radio, for some reason, it was confidence that was really unearned, but I knew that I could fake confidence well enough that if I did a tour of radio stations, I could, uh, and if I could talk to a manager, that some way or another, I would get myself in the building. So that's what I did. And I think the third station I went to was the little AM in St. Pete. The frequency was 570. And having been a radio chick all my life, I should be able to tell you what what's on that frequency now. But it was, it was news talk. And I told the program director that I'm very bright and I'm unusually talented and I don't know how you've lived this long without me. Now, keep in mind, I didn't mean a word of any of that. I was terrified, but I got the job. But it was all true, so. It wasn't then. <laughs> you know, I, so how did you make it become true over the years? Like, how did that career progress from there? You know, Kathleen, I would say probably for the first 10 years of my career, I had crippling stage fright. So what I did, because I'm sort of a natural actor, I made a suit of confidence for myself that I would slip on and zip it up all the way over the top of my head and play the part of a person who could do the job with confidence and excellence. Thank God, eventually, that zipped up suit actually fused to my skin and I became that person. But it took, it took a very long time. At so, 19 years old, I was Nancy in the Sky on the number one radio station in the United States, the first radio station to start a format called The Zoo or Q-Zoo, as it was in my case. It was started by Scott Shannon, who was on the cover of Time magazine. After he left Tampa, he started a Q-Zoo in New York and took that station, Z100, from zero to 100 in 74 days. And fast forwarding from that, though, I was always seeing you on Fox 13 in television. So you shifted from radio to television and had a significant presence on the, the local, like I think Fox affiliates mostly was what I saw, right? Yeah, I've been very, very fortunate that all the jobs that I have had in my career, knock on wood, and I'm, you know, I'm putting my knuckles to my forehead for that effect. I never had to audition for any job. I was invited to all of them. 
So over the years, it sounds like you worked with several different radio stations. You worked in television for a long time with various producers. From your experience, what are local media producers looking for in the interviews that they're searching out and trying to bring in on their shows? If I may, the 10 years that I worked for Fox and the segment was called Out There. And I named it that because I am and we were out there. It was fun. Thank you. And I had free license to do really anything that I wanted. I wrote, produced, directed, and hosted the segment myself every day. So I didn't actually have a producer. But I can tell you that if you are a business that is looking to get local television coverage, you're going to have to make it sexy. And I don't mean that at all literally. <laughs> you're, <laughs> I know, that kind of surprising, isn't it, Chris? I was relieved because, <laughs> you know. I mean, give me a second, I quit. But what producers are looking for, particularly now, even though we're in the, the post-COVID era, we're in the vaccination stage, there are still plenty of anchor teams that are working remotely. And television stations are starving for locally manufactured, invented contributors to social causes, people that are helping to make things right. If you have that in your business model in your hometown, then what you need to do is find out who all the producers are. You need to know the guy's name at the assignment desk at every television station because they are the guys that Remember the show Taxi? Vaguely. They're Danny DeVito. They're dispatching everybody. So they will get a ton of mail, a ton of electronic press kits, which now come on thumb drives. And that's something else that we can talk about. You know, in the old days, they actually came on beta. But they get a ton of information. And they don't have a lot of time. For a television producer, time is always the enemy. They have to stack the show, and it's having to be, and when I say stack it, I mean line it up so that it times out properly, so that all the reporters get their two, three, four minutes. And and it's always, it has to be fluid because you could have breaking news. So when you're putting together your PR piece for television specifically, you need great video. And you need, if you're the CEO or you're the PR person and you're not great on camera, please don't take this as an insult. Hire someone who is. Oh, wow. Okay. It's incredibly important. These folks, as I say, they're on deadline. 
They live in 30 second increments all day long and they have to make decisions quickly. They have to decide whether or not whatever your product or service is, is going to be hard news or if it's going to be part of a feature. For instance, mine was a conical feature, but I, you know, but I did occasionally deal with things that weren't necessarily funny in nature. I, you know, I would just dress them up that way and wink at the camera because my job was to make people laugh for four minutes every night. But they have to decide, first of all, if what it is that you're doing is interesting enough to the community and where you fit in in the complexion of a newscast. So you should probably consult with someone like me or hopefully someone you have in-house that's good at PR that can focus and fine tune your pitch to the place in a newscast where you think you would be most suited. One of the things like I got niched by them pretty quickly that I'm the tech nerd who will jump on camera and, you know, talk for three minutes about whatever technology topic, you know, and then they cut it out to the best 30 or 45 seconds that works for their story. Right. But it's, it seems like it's been my experience that once a producer knows you and knows your topic, the next time they need anybody for that topic, you're the first person they think of, right? You know, Chris, it's no different than in any other kind of sales. You know, if you are selling advertising time, you're going to go back to the golden diamond source because, you know, they've spent a shitload of money. If a producer has somebody on hand like yourself, who's so well-versed, and, I, and I've seen you on my old on the mater, and you do such a great job. Of course they're going to come back to you. It saves them a shit ton of time. Now, in your case, do they pitch the name of your business each time? Do they, do they introduce Generally, you I'll, as? I'll get a, uh, I'll get a, uh, I'll get a Chiron, right? So it'll say Chris Jenkins, you know, Chief Digital Officer, Symphony Agency. And okay. then in the in the art, the transcript article that they write on the website that goes along with each yeah. video segment, they'll uh-huh. mention it there again as well. So you, you do you get a little bit of like Google searchability and stuff with uh-huh. that. You know? Yeah. So um, you're locked and loaded. So in with that, let's see. I had some notes here. You were talking about finding the guy at the assignment desk. Like he is the key to getting in the door. How would somebody even know where to look up that name? Like, how do you research that sort of a thing? It's really high tech. You Google, is it the, Google? You Google the TV station. And, um, and of course, I'm being a smart ass. But you simply need to find the news line. You call it. And you ask the name of the assignment editor. You need to know the names of the assignment editors and what shifts they work. It's not the same men and women there all day, but they're taking in a ton of, they still get snail mail and packages and tape, but they go through a shit ton of email. And then they have to parse it out to the producers and producers are the folks that are stacking each one of the individual shows and they're doing their own research as well. 
So it's going to be, and I hate to keep using, you know, these uh, banal terms, but your pitch has to be pretty, concise, and sexy. And so that pitch is a simplified or a concise version of the three, four-minute story that you'd be pitching, right? Like you're looking at a 30-second max of that longer version, which itself is a small version of your actual story. Yeah. I mean, you could send, if you're a great writer, you could send an email uh, that is an outstanding, strong paragraph to several producers. And, And let's not forget, there are also a million chat shows that are always looking for not just news. Here in our market, there's Great Day. There is, I'm trying to think of the NBC affiliate, Daytime. Channel 10 has one that I should know because I've filled in as the host a bunch of times. And I'm really (laughs) sorry, everybody at Channel 10. I can't think of it at the moment. But, you know, there's research first. Get the contacts. Once you have the, actually, I take that back. Get your pitch, your electronic press kit done first. Make it concise, make it impactful, and make it seem necessary and helpful to their viewers. Remember, they're not in the business of helping you sell your product. They want you to be a benefit to their viewers so their viewers will continue to watch. I think that's a wonderful point, right? Like coming into it, you have your own goals and your own problem that you're wanting to solve here. But the only way that you're going to connect with anyone, let alone a TV station, is to look and consider what problems do they have that you're solving for them and focus your solutions, focus what your conversation is around that, right? Yes. You first have to sell the decision makers that their audiences will benefit with the information that you have about your product or service or research or book and then go from there. But they're, they're not in the business of getting butts in your seats. Right. Yeah. That's that. They're not going to sell your stuff for you. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But being out there adds credibility or exposure or whatever benefits you're looking for, for your business. And when you get out there, you can see if that actually has that effect or not. Sure. An easy example of, and I can't stand the fucker, but Guy Fieri, whose real name, by the way, is Guy Ferry. <laughs> he turned it back to the Italian and then has to pronounce it Fieri. I bet the ranch that when he has house parties, he has like television monitors set up all over his house and it's all running tapes of his segments. We yeah, are never getting invited on Food Network after this <laughs> Never, <laughs> no. But, but, you know, use him as an example. You know, once he's been to your restaurant, you may have to think about what the hell you're going to do with all that business. First of all, you got to make sure you live up to the hype because once you're on television, you should get some traffic and you have to be able to deliver on the message 
that so there's you no point in doing the PR if you can't actually uh, live up to the traffic that comes in behind it, right? Yes, because, you know, if you fail, they won't be back. Right. I like to consider myself to be a little bit slick. And whenever I go on the, the interviews or whatever, typically I'll probably like have a symphony t-shirt on or something along that line where I have some branded, you know, sort of identifiers around me to hopefully like reinforce that thing. Are there any other little slick tricks where you can maybe inject a little bit of your product or brand or message into that little interview time? Sure. If you're a manufacturer, I mean, they let the coaches a box where a buck's at. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. You know, get your branding out there. If somebody's going to say, yes, we're sending a camera out to you, by all means, make sure that you are branding yourself as much as possible. Because let's face it, a rule in radio, and I know I'm going back and forth between mediums, they're very, very different. But for instance, in radio, repetition is everything for advertisers and for artists. Repetition is everything. But television, if you get 45 seconds, make it impactful. And I know that if you are the CEO or if you are the idea guy or if it is your personal risk that was taken financially to start the company, it's human nature to want to be the person to be interviewed. You got to really take inventory of your strengths and decide, am I the best person in my company to make the most impactful 45 seconds, like in Chris's case, they usually do what's called a, a VOSAT. It's voiceover sound on tape. They'll let you say something, and then a reporter may say something on either end that's either on one end or the other. But make sure that you send the right person out to represent your company because people are busy, you know, and a TV is an appliance. <laughs> how do you find or, or what, what are you using to measure how somebody would be good or not good? You know, cause like me as, as somebody who's not in this space, I'd be like, Oh, well they look fine. Or this is a, an attractive person or you speak well. So what do you think, from your perspective, what are people looking for that, that makes it actually qualified good enough to be on television? A person who is very adept at making human connections quickly. Oh, wow. Okay. A person who can be authentically enthusiastic about what you do. If you're in a business, you should know who that person is anyway. Right. You already have, like, as soon as you said that, I'm sure everybody listening, they're like, oh, that guy, like, so-and-so would be our person. They know it already, the person that's in their, in their business, right? The person that's in their office. You know, there are a few examples where the CEO of a company makes an excellent spokesperson. You know, Dave from Wendy's. Who the hell would remember a $50 my pillow? If it weren't for the guy with the 70s porn stash who wears a crucifix hanging out of the top of his shirt. <laughs> you know, 
I'm not saying he's talented, but he's perfect for that job. He's memorable, and it's, it's good television. Oh, yeah. It's right. a character, right? I mean, that, isn't that fundamentally part of it, that the, that you're a character? That you are a character, but, and depending upon the business you're in, you really need to be likable. In order for people to want to care about your product, they first have to immediately want to care about you. Man, that was such and, solid advice. And trust you. So you have to be adept at looking at a camera. Television is not a normal way to make a living. You know, you look at a camera as though it's a person. A skill we're all developing on Zoom. And, and, and by the way, it's not. Practice. You know. As, as many interviews as I've done, I've never really thought about that because in these sort of virtual environments especially, I'm more likely to look at your, your faces on the screen than I am to actually look directly at my camera, right? And Jody McLean, who's also a dear friend, is constantly trying to help me be better in my on-camera presence. She's like, framing and where your camera's aimed and look at the camera, you know, and, and I'm bad about all those things. A Fortunately, folks, I guess I'm likable enough. You can tell uh, a man on the street interview being when there's no reporter there and they have sent out a photog only because the person that they're interviewing, you can see their line of sight they're looking at the photographer's eyes rather than looking into the camera. That is a degree of separation, which is fine for a news story. But if what you're looking for, and let's face it, if you're trying to get on local television, you're looking for a free commercial. Yeah, basically. The connection with the camera, look in the camera. Unless there is a field producer you may get lucky where they think that your whatever your widget is, is sexy enough. They'll send a photog, a reporter, and a field producer out there. And the field producer may say, look at me when you talk. If that person's not there, look in the camera. I think it's that is that, solid. It really, you know, if it was that hard, they wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you're good at talking your way in that door. <laughs> So I want to come back to uh, press kit. You know, we've talked about that. You've mentioned it a few times, electronic press kit. And I, I don't know what goes into that. Like, I'm curious, you know, maybe there's a resource we can link to in the show notes. But, you know, what what should somebody be including in that? In the businesses, it's called an EPK, electronic press kit. You want, although a lot of TV stations aren't even taking thumb drives anymore, because they're um, infecting their computers. Right. I was just thinking viruses. Yeah. So first, make the phone call. Find out in what format they will accept your press kit. It may be email with video that is embedded in the email, you know, with a link. It may be a thumb drive. But it is essentially a sales pitch, not to your end user. You're making a sales pitch to a person who has access to, depending upon what market you're in, tens of thousands to potentially millions of people. So your press kit needs to be written and you really should produce some sort of short video that is appealing 
not directly to your end user, but to the person who wants to make interesting television for lots and lots of people. And that's your job. Okay. And again, that goes back to focusing on who your end user is, right? Like you're, that person that you're speaking to is actually the one in the decision-making chair, not those customers you're hoping to get a free ad in front of. That's correct. I watch my alma mater. I watch Fox 15 a lot. And because um, they like to see who's sitting in my old, my old cubicle in the background. They have, for instance, a segment called What's Right with Tampa Bay. They have Made in Tampa Bay. And it's a lot of really good, feel-good television. If you have a product like a Snuggie, I mean, let's pretend that none of us had ever seen one before. It's nothing but a fucking blanket with sleeves, right? Genius! How many of those things did they sell? That would be something where first have, have to sell the assignment editor or the producer on what a convenience this is going to be to the end user, you know? Right, and why and, people would want to watch that. Well, right. that comes well, back to uh, one point that I think is important and. You made it, but I just wanted to bring it back around for people before we go into the lightning round. And that's that your pitch isn't asking for you to be on TV. Your pitch is telling them why they should put you on their TV. That's correct. Why your business should be on television and why it is so compelling. It's going to keep their listeners' attention, viewers, I should say, viewers' attention because that's their business. I mean, what you shared is going to be so helpful to the people listening to this that want to reach out and get in touch with the local producers and actually get some traction there rather than just getting thrown in the trash by those assignment editors, right? And hey, listen, if you don't have anybody who is, you know, sometimes it, like if you already have a well-produced commercial, send that. Right. They're going to try and sell you television time too. <laughs> But, you know, but if you don't have somebody in your company who is a natural on-camera talent and an authentic, personable communicator, go to a talent agency and hire somebody. Beautiful. And hire you if, if you're local, right? Every single uh, interviewee that we have on here, we have our lightning round. And these are five quick questions. I don't want you to put a lot of thought into it. I want to hear right off the top of your head. These are just fast as a way to get to know you just a little bit better. So, okay. first question, cocktail of choice. Mojito. Fantastic. Go to de-stress method. How do you uh, unwind? Masturbate. Fantastic. Apple or PC? PC, man. Apple comes with pre-installed smug. You have already, like, taken my heart with that answer. You're probably, like, one of, like, the last 10 guests. Peanut butter, smooth or crunchy? Neither. I hate peanut butter. Fair answer. And final one that always trips people up. What's your favorite insult? My favorite insult? Yep. Oh, to give someone or to receive? Yeah, yeah no, to give someone. <laughs> I'd fuck your brains out, but apparently somebody beat me to it. <laughs> if, if ever there was a classic nancy alexander line i think that was it right there 
Hey, listen, guys, in the show notes, we're going to make sure that you've got contact info to be able to talk to Nancy. Uh, if you're looking for a media consultant or something along that line, she managed to uh, um, provide value to our audience to get some airtime. I think she's demonstrated the concept that she was talking about. So uh, definitely check her out. We were super happy to, to have her on this time. And uh, I will uh, hopefully be lifting a, a drink sometime in the future with you, Omohito, actually in person um, before too long. That'd be really fantastic. But to all of you uh, unfuckers out there, check the show notes for details. And uh, until next time, see you next Tuesday. Thanks for having me. Hope it was nice being had. What the fuck are you waiting for? Take what you learned in this episode and do something with it. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about in our show notes for this episode and go to unfuckmybusiness.com to subscribe to the show. Mm-hmm.